I still that's the best hero shot ever of like the 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 possessed you know nurse falls down and then slam cut to shaboom yeah. exorcist <laughs> of <Yeah>. vengeance <laughs> he's a man on a mission uh, the power of Christ compels me to kick your ass. You've never seen There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine But there'll be smiles And there'll be tears You won't watch another movie for about 800 years it's time for death by video. Time for death by video with Phil and Kit and Lillian and Graham. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Back. Cheers. And we're back. Welcome back to the Pi Video. Anyways, I'm Graham. Belated Phil. Uh, hi, I'm Phil. Hey, I'm Kit. And we are joined yet again, always as our with our special guest star, the Soviet Union's finest export, the one, the only. Lillian. Thank you, Lou. <laughs> and we are drinking a little yes, a little I got that right. <laughs> of course you did. We are drinking a little a uh, little taste of Polish beer, uh, thanks to Lil. Thank you, Lillian. Nazdrowie. I thought this was Polish beer. Sure. I like that joke, though. Polish beer. <laughs> I've been working on that one. All the way from Poland. Um, that was your second a, joke, right? It needs a bit of Polish, okay? needs a bit of Polish. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um... I don't have my book that I write down all the things I watch in. Uh, I'm trying to think about what I watched this week. Oh, I watched, um, finally watched Maniac by, uh, starring Joe Spinell and, uh, written and directed, or written by Joe Spinell, directed by William Lustig from, uh, 1980. Very controversial film. Uh, not as, as nasty or gnarly as I thought it was going to be, but, uh, Maybe I'm just getting hard in my old age. We'll see. Yeah, it isn't as gnarly, like, based on its concern, its reputation, but, um, mm-hmm. Some very impressive gore effects. Oh, yeah. And, uh, also shot largely without permits, starring the great uh, Caroline uh, Monroe, who was in uh, Star Crash and Splatter uh, High and... Oh, no, Slaughter High. Slaughter High, Splatter High, one of those two. And um, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, the James Bond film. She played the uh, the bad guy's girlfriend. So, Lil and Kid, have you guys ever heard of or seen Maniac before? No. No. That's about par for the course. Um, that's not true. Lillian's seen a lot of movies. So have I, Graham. I know. So have you, Kit. You were uh, Mr. Blockbuster for several years. Just haven't seen the weird-ass films you're talking about. <sighs> yeah, I know. I don't think Maniac would have ever been stocked at Blockbuster. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the story of... It was remade in 2012, and a really great remake that I like quite a bit, uh, starring Elijah Wood and produced by Alexandra Aja of uh, High Tension and uh, uh, Piranha 3D fame. Um, and I think he did the Hills of Eyes remake. Yeah, yep, he did that one too, which is good. I would highly recommend the remake uh, from 2012. It's very interesting. The soundtrack's awesome. Um, this film, I don't know if I can really recommend it. Uh, it also has a great soundtrack. Uh, Joe Spinell is fantastic, but it is like, it's pretty, pretty rough. But uh, Yeah, it's really great. Shows that yeah. skeezy yeah. New York 70s vibe, um, much like it's featured in the Deuce Weekly. 
Although I haven't been watching the Deuce because I don't have HBO and they're not releasing their episodes on iTunes. Uh, has anyone I've only caught the first episode and it's really good. Yeah. Kit, you, you've been watching the Deuce? Yeah, I'm, I need to catch up. I'm, I'm like three episodes deep on that one, but yeah, it's good. It's good. Stays yeah. grimy. Mm-hmm. Stay grimy. That should be like the tagline of our podcast. Um, has anyone else seen anything interesting in the last uh, week? I've been watching Mindhunter like uh, all of us here. I think that's one thing we've uh, mm-hmm. we've all been watching. That's I'm on episode four. I'm um, also on episode four. I think me and Lil, we both finished, right? I finished it? Yeah, fi- finished. Yep, I think I finished episode four, I think, so... Yeah, I've, I've seen yeah. up to episode five, I guess. I haven't seen that. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we're at the same point. <laughs> Kit, what have you seen in the last week? Um, I, I spent... I was up at, in Newfoundland. I was uh, spent the weekend in Newfoundland. A.K.A. God's Country. Sure, sure. Lovely, lovely place. Never been before. I was near Corner Brook, if you know where yeah. that is. I, oh, I do. Oh, okay. Okay. But I was uh, staying at a uh, my friend his his parents own this like hotel and uh, they do they have a DVD selection so he was like there's no cable there's there's no Wi-Fi so you'll have to watch one of these DVDs and um, it was like it was like the perfect collection it was like 50 DVDs but it was like the perfect collection of exactly what you would find at some convenience store rental kind of thing yeah it was all like frustratingly unappealing movies <laughs> yeah. So I watched. I ended up watching two films from the mid aughts, which I really think um, sort of encapsulate that era of filmmaking. So I watched the, the bad era. I watched the Italian Job remake. Nice. I saw that in the theaters, which is a bizarre film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I watched it again. It's basically an ad for Mini Coopers. Yep. Um, throughout, and I also watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is another bizarre <laughs> film. <laughs> oh man, those were the. 2004 to 2006, those certainly weren't the days, were they? No, no. Um, yeah, uh, lots of lots of problematic issues with those films. We, we can get into the plot, but I don't think we have time. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, fun in a way, but also problematic. Like, especially towards, you know, portrayals of women and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not um, at all, actually. But, yeah. <laughs> but, like, the rest of the films there were, like, some straight to DVD like high stakes with friggin Richard Kind and David Cross who selected these movies like you figure I don't know you figure there'd be a selection of classics from like the 70s 80s and 90s and then like a smattering of contemporary films granted the hotel is not is it currently down for the season it's it's down permanently unfortunately and some they they can't make it work so Mm -hmm. it's actually on the market so they still live there but it's closed Mm -hmm. interesting so So it's a haunted hotel a little bit I guess it's a really nice place it's too bad a movie there you could sell it. You probably have to pay them a little money because I think fine. they need the money. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, you definitely could. But anyway, that was that was my experience. I haven't watched anything really else since mm-hmm. it was the premiere of Walking Dead. But how was it? I, I I totally forgot that was even like premiering. Hey, it still exists. Yeah, that's amazing. How like one season of like meh can like totally derail something. <laughs> Characters are still there. Still there. Megan yep. still is. It's still about two opposing forces, and Rick's got like a moral quandary going on in his head. Do I go push further and eliminate this situation, or do I try and find a peaceful solution? But not really. But we all secretly want to just see him kill stuff. Rick's still a shithead. Yes, if that's what yeah. you were asking. Good old S head Rick. <laughs> anyway, Lillian, what what have you seen? Um, it's funny. It kind of falls in line with what we're gonna watch tonight. Maybe I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. But um, incarnate. You guys heard of it? No. No. 
with um, Aaron Eckhart. Aaron hmm. Eckhart. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. He's like, he repels these spirits that are affecting people, but just don't call him the exorcist. Uh, he's a spirit shover awayer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, it's neat though. It's neat how it uh, presents the exorcisms without saying the word exorcism. Yeah, exactly. Cool. We also watched uh, Lillian and I. Um, we had the annual um, Halloween movie night um, that we do uh, in my personal home theater, which is not here at the abandoned video store, which we're all currently sitting in. And uh, we watched Hack O' Lantern, 1988's Hack O' Lantern, aka Halloween Night, aka aka Death Mask, um, <laughs> aka Achu. <laughs> or a Gesundheit. <laughs> Which uh, tells the age-old story of a uh, 40-year-old who is a teenager and... Uh, or, sorry, a teenager that doesn't look a day over 40. Um, and his satanic grandfather who wants to convert him to the ways of Satan through... Uh, and tries to seduce him through rock music. Um, and then the rest of the family have come into conflict about it. And uh, much hair metal and bad stand-up comedy ensue. And a whole lot of shots of uh, an old guy driving around a truck full of pumpkins. Nice. And then we also watched the great um, Umberto Lenzi's Nightmare City. And we should kick this off with a couple RIPs. Mm-hmm. In the last week, uh, it'll be t- a couple weeks by the time this comes out, we lost uh, the Canadian musician Gord Downey from the band The Tragically Hip. And we also lost Mr. Leahy from Trailer Park Boys. That's true. Um, I was just going to say that. Yeah, Mr. Mr. John Leahy, Dunsworth, John I believe. Dunsworth, yeah. uh, and who was in Trailer Park Boys, the mm-hmm. movie, but as was Gord Downey. He played a, a cop a, yep. in that one, and he was also in the Joshua Jackson Canadiana film One Week. Yep. I worked with the cinematographer of that film uh, oh. a couple years ago, Arthur Cooper, and he said it was a pleasure working with Gord Downey. I think he smokes a joint with Joshua Jackson's character, yep. if I remember Mm-hmm. I did watch that film, but I, I remember almost nothing about it. It was kind of an unremarkable film. He rides across Canada in a week on a motorcycle, which is actually pretty difficult to do if you think about it. Yep. Even going from Toronto to Vancouver, like, that's a long haul. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's actually Plus, possible. stops to smoke joints with, with Gordon. Gordon yeah, that's yeah. not going to work. Um, so yes, yeah, so we lost John Dunsworth, who was in more things than just Trailer Park Boys. It's unfortunate that that's... Not unfortunate, I mean, like that's what made up his livelihood and what he's most known for and what his uh, fans celebrate as um, uh, one of my cousins out in Alberta posts on Facebook every time he's going out drinking, he always posts a photo of uh, uh, John Dunsworth in his full Mr. Leahy costume with a, quote, I am the liquor below it. Um, and we also lost... Uh, it, was, it was strange. I follow a bunch of Americans on Twitter, yeah. and a lot of them were, like, really upset when um, John Dunsworth passed away. Well, here's the weird thing is that Trevor McBoys has traveled, which yeah. is weird. Like... There are Americans I work with that are like, oh, Trailer Park Boys was shot in Halifax. And I was like, what? You know about Trailer Park Boys? In fact, um, uh, some of their Netflix specials were actually shot in Europe, where they performed to sold-out theaters. Doesn't Netflix exclusively produce Trailer Park Boys? Yeah, now? yeah, they do. Um, the uh, the three pr- principal actors bought the rights from the original creator and uh, sold the exclusive distribution rights to Netflix in Canada and America. So, um, yeah, and it's interesting because there's a... Um, a pro wrestling video podcast I listen to called Old School Wrestling, which is based out of Ireland. And every now and then, they'll drop a Trailer Park Boys reference, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, holy crap. I had no idea that these guys were referring to um, to uh, 
you know, to Trailer Park Boys. They call, like, anyone with a gut, like, oh, there's Randy. Um, and, and yeah, any authority figure is kind of Mr. Leahy. Um, but uh, closer to my heart, a uh, person whose film has not been featured... Actually, yeah, a person whose film has been featured on this podcast. Uh, the Italian director, Umberto Lenzi, passed away last week. And he was uh, 86 years old. He um, directed a lot of great films. Or, I mean... I don't know if great's the right word, but <laughs> films that, that people like. Or Cannibal um, Ferox. He directed Cannibal Ferox. He directed uh, a couple great cop films, Violent Naples, which is a, a really awesome uh, 70s cop thriller. He also directed the cop film um, the, the Cynic, the Rat, and the Fist. And what he, a title. I know, and it's, it is a great film. And then he also directed Cannibal Ferox, obviously. He directed several Cannibal films, and he infamously said... I'm okay being the second best cannibal film director. I don't need to be number one in that genre. It's a dirty genre to be in. I can be number two. It's okay. Um, and then he also directed uh, Ghost House, a.k.a. Uh, Evil Dead 3 in uh, in Italy. Because uh, they continued the Evil Dead series in Italy just with different films, what, as they're known to do. And he directed the film that we watched on, uh, on Saturday, uh, Nightmare City. Uh, which features Hugo Stieglitz, which uh, inspired the character in *Inglorious Bastards* that Quentin Tarantino directed, and uh, *Nightmare City* is actually a th- uh, one of Tarantino's uh, favorite Italian films, and it's pretty awesome. So, do you have any thoughts on *Nightmare City*, or do you even remember it in that whole crazy haze of Saturday night? Um, I hope I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say because my big wow. I mean, my big wow came at the very end, but. Oh, did you did you sleep through the ending? No, Am I remembering that no, wrong? No, no, no. Oh wait, that 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 was uh, our friend Vanessa who fell asleep at the end of season of the witch, George Romero's film that, that we saw in the theater, and then she woke up and she's like, "Why was everyone going like?" <gasps> and I'm like, "Oh, you fell asleep." She's like, "Yeah, I just missed the ending." And I'm like, "Yeah, I won't spoil it for you guys here." Oh, how was season of the witch? Interesting. It's uh, very much a melodrama, like a regional melodrama from the '70s, but it's directed by George Romero, so it's got a bit more. Uh, joie de vie about it. It's got a bit more interesting, like, uh, cultural perspectives. And it ends crazily. And it's basically the story of a isolated housewife whose uh, daughter has gone, gone to college, so she's grown up and left the house. Her husband is a traveling salesman, so she's kind of like just left by herself, isolated and alone. And as what was going on in the 70s, like, paganism was kind of on the rise cults are kind of on the rise and she kind of starts dabbling in witchcraft it's the same time as the wicker man yep yeah actually i think same year 73 74 yeah 73 yeah uh interesting film not one of his best but uh but definitely worthy of the canon so is there anything else anyone's got on their chest that they want to get off today tonight have any of you seen the movie we're watching tonight you mean Exorcist 3? That's Legion. what we're watching tonight. Oh, yeah. Okay. I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah, we're watching. It goes with the whole Halloween a month theme of like, we're starting with a part one, going to a part two, part three, part four, but they're all different series. Now, I have not seen Exorcist 2 featuring James Earl Jones. You do not need to see I, I as hear Kokomo. It, I hear that's yeah. ba- batshit crazy. It is batshit crazy, and his name is Kokomo. Like the Beach Boys song? Exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I know. The Beach Boys are big Exorcist 2 fans. Yeah. There was also, I think, a roller disco scene in uh, in Exorcist 2, which... I think I remember that. Which I, is great because uh, Linda Blair then starred in the infamous roller disco movie uh, Roller Boogie, 
which is out of all the roller disco movies of like Xanadu, Roller Boogie, and uh, Skate Town USA, probably the, the number two one of those. It's, okay. it's definitely above Xanadu, but it's no Skate Town USA. All right. If you ever want to see what a coked up Jan Brady looks like, watch Skate Town USA. And Scott Bayo was in it, and Willie Ames, and Kanicki from, oh no, not Kanicki, um, some guy from Welcome Back, Welcome Back, po- Welcome Back Potter, Welcome Back Cotter, and it also features the on-screen debut So of, pretty much everybody who's wound up on like Celebrity Rehab or some other Yes, VH1. except the villain of the piece was fresh off of his time as a uh, ice skating dance c- competitor, Patrick Swayze. Nice. So he does his own. Lillian from the kitchen just said "No way," which can be picked up on the mic. But um, he does his own uh, roller skating in the movie, and it is freaking awesome. And it ends with this great duel where they play chicken, where they strap rockets to their roller skates, and they just like um, fly down uh, the Santa Monica pier towards the ocean. The first one that ditches is like a chicken. It's awesome. Skate 10 USA. Not available, unfortunately, on DVD or Blu-ray or for streaming. Does anyone have any thought about what Exorcist 3 could possibly be about? I'm I'm assuming demons are involved. Yes, but that wasn't always the case. Priests? Initially, Exorcist 3 didn't have an exorcism. Was it was it even like is this one of these stories where it was they made a horror movie and then somebody had the rights to the Exorcist franchise and was like let's call it Exorcist three? No, it it is William Peter Blatty, uh, okay. the writer of the original Exorcist novel and and movie, and this was based on a book that he wrote called Legion, and 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 they were like well let's bring back the it's the cop from so George C Scott portrays the cop from Exorcist and he's back investigating. A bunch of serial killings. Wait, George C. Scott was in the original Exorcist? No, he's playing the character that was played by, um, what's his name? And Jesus, what happened to George C. Scott's career? I mean, well... What do you mean? Exorcist 3 is a prestige picture, man. He was in the, uh, The Changeling was around the same time, correct? Uh, this was actually after The Changeling. Oh, after The Changeling. So this is a step up. It's like a decade after The Changeling. Oh, snap. George C. Scott was a working actor, man. He had bills (laughs) to pay. He had mouths to feed. There ain't nothing in this world for free, man. George C. Scott's got to pay for it Campbell all. Campbell Scott did okay for a while. Campbell Scott? Who's Campbell Scott? son. Campbell Scott is George C. Scott's yeah. son? Wasn't he like I that? I call Dewhurst as his mother. Ah. King Con, Trevia. Interesting. Yeah. Campbell Scott. Yet another uh, mid-90s uh, one of those guys. He's kind of like a bland, dark-haired guy. That Was was he in Party of Five? No, he was in the movie Singles. Oh, right. All right. Anyways, and he was the dying mm. young guy from Dying Young. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He was the dying young guy from Dying Young. The eponymous Dying Young. Did he live? Presumably not. You've never That'd seen be Dying Young. Interesting uh, plot twist. Okay, I without, vaguely recall it. Without further ado, let's watch Exorcist Three. Yes. Was that the right noise for Exorcist Three? I don't. Father. Come to take a little blood from you, Father. 
crucified. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. That was Exorcist 3, that wacky comedy featuring George C. Scott. <laughs> we did just watch the blooper reel. Yep, the blooper reel was pretty awesome. Just seeing like George C. Scott, like, it's this tense scene, it's a long shot, and it goes on, we're like, where's the blooper? It goes on for like four, five, six minutes, and all of a sudden, it's like, ah, I don't know what to say next. <laughs> Everyone laughs. It's but great. Meanwhile, the dude's just like trying really hard to keep a straight face because he just like keeps like... He yeah. keeps chuckling throughout. That was Ed Flanders, by the way. Not Ned Flanders, Ed Flanders. Ed Flanders. Uh, we should point out that Samuel L. Point Jackson... Point no less. Yep. Samuel L. Jackson has a very early role that we didn't pick up on until the Samuel end Samuel L. Jackson didn't recognize him. He's in a, a weird dream sequence that's in the film. Uh, I As guess a he's blind man. To the radio. The blind man is what he's... Blind dream man is what he's accredited mm-hmm. as. I did not recognize him at all. Uh, this movie did but really... I wasn't looking for him, yeah, of course. Yeah, I know, of course. Yeah, I think the camera just kind of went across him. I don't think he did much in it. No. Unlike the big Fabio cameo. By the way, what does the L in Samuel L. Jackson stand for? Does anyone know? No. Lionel? Leroy? I'm sure it's easily Googleable. Hope it's not... Lawrence? Leroy. Lucas? Lillian? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope not. That would be an amazing twist. Samuel it was Samuel Lillian, Lillian Jackson. Jackson. <laughs> I was want to say Samuel Lillian Perez. Um, good old SLP. Um, I just, I realized talking about, like, when we were just talking about that scene, this movie does a really good job of, like, not hitting you over the head with the inf- with the ideas. So remember how there there's a catatonic woman talking about, like, my radio, which is this invisible thing in front of her. Um, is broken. It only hears uh, ghosts talking. Right. And then in that dream sequence, we see a bunch of people like uh, talking into a radio receiver and Samuel L. Jackson's character says, they'll never hear that. And who else do we see in that film? On the count of three. One, two, three. Fabio. Fabio. Yes, the early 90s male model cover of several romance novels um, killer of a goose with his face. And uh, I can't believe it's not Butter spokesperson. <laughs> True. He was also in Dude, Where's My Car? He was also on the cover of the uh, video game Iron Sword, if anybody remembers that from no. Nintendo, NES days. Nope. Oh, the good old NES days. They were but a blur to me. I was a young man when that, uh, young child, I should say, during the NES Haiti. I had one. I had Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers 3. Classics. We just rented the other games. Oh, by the way, Kit and gang, um... The L does stand for Leroy of Samuel L. Jackson. Ah, but Leroy Jackson is actually a pretty good name. But all right. mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Phil, you slept through most of this movie. What are your impressions of it? <laughs> oh, uh, it was kind of overwhelming. It's, uh, it's yeah. Not, you only it's, woke it's, up for the loud noises and the and the bangs and the exorcisms. Yes. Well, uh, most of the loud noises were provided by George C. Scott yelling at people. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Like, within seconds of a given scene, and he's in almost every scene in this movie, um, yep. he just goes from, like, one to a hundred. <laughs> yeah, the drop of a hat, just sort of like, so where was the, uh, where did you find the glove? Where did you find the glove? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that was good. Like, the same sentence. You, you know did. what? I'd watch that movie. Actually, I was thinking I want to watch this probably again to kind of take it in again. But um, I'd watch, I'd watch, a watch movie. it again just for him. I'd watch a movie of George C. Scott just getting mad at stuff, <laughs> yeah. at inanimate objects. Well, we should, we should, okay, so we should basically say right off the bat, we watch the theatrical cut. Normally we try to watch director's cuts, but this director's cut, it's pieced together from some old VHS footage, and uh, it actually does not feature an exorcism in a movie called Exorcist 3. So that's why you watch the theatrical cut, which does feature an exorcism, and I've been told is actually the, the, um, the better of the two cuts. Um... But, yeah, I mean, this movie uh, was pretty straightforward and serious, except for some occasional wackiness. Um, and it's probably uh, the most, I guess, mainstream film we've watched since Copycat, I think. Yes. Uh, the Copycat episode hasn't aired yet when this will air, but it will be coming out uh, right after our... Let's see, we're doing another Halloween one, then another Son of Sam, and then Copycat. So it'll be coming out sometime in late November. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, it's... I mean, this was a heavy hitter we had, you know... Uh, George C. Scott, Samuel L. Jackson, Fabio, um, Ed Flanders, who actually did a really good job as, a, as an actor in this, playing a priest who was kind of like, you can just tell he's a little bit at the end of his rope and uh, kind of just over the whole priest thing. Um, and Jason Miller. Jason Miller, of course, the great playwright and star of the first Exorcist film and uh, Brad Dourif Brad of Dourif. Uh, Child's Play franchise. Fame. And Lord of the Rings. And he's been in multiple Werner Herzog films. Mm-hmm. My son, my son, what he yep. And uh, he was in One Florida Cuckoo's Nest mm-hmm. as one of the inmates. And a, a very special episode of The X-Files. And a very special episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit, where he played a fire expert that figured out that a father didn't burn his children alive. Well, in the X-Files episode, I was, I was just thinking of it while watching this film, because in this one, he's like, um, he's a possessed man. No, he is the man possessing a man. He's the man possessing a man, but he's also also possessed by a demon. He's in league with a demon. There he's are not, layers. Yeah. There are layers. Yeah, this but, one was actually um, quite layered. In the X-Files episode, I think it's a season one, um, and he plays a man on death row um, who can, he's like, he can see, there's this uh, serial killer going around, killing people, kidnapping women, and then killing them, and Brad Dourif claims that he can communicate with the the dead women and with um, with the dead in general, but also with this man and he knows what he's up to. And so it's it's a similar kind of setup where they Mulder and Scully, Scully doesn't believe him. Um, and um, they interview him. Um, Scully was a skeptic. Kel Supreme. Yeah, yeah. But, and and her, Mulder was believing? And in this episode, her father just died and her father was played by the same actor who plays uh, a major Briggs in, in Twin Peaks. Um, mm-hmm. And at one point, Brad Dourif is possessed by the spirit of her father, and he does this same kind of shifting, immediate shifting from crazy to straight to back to crazy. It's it was very similar. It probably filmed around the same time as this too. Uh, X Files X Files was a couple years after this. Ninety two, ninety two, ninety one. This, this was shot in eighty nine. Okay, but yep. fresh off. I it. think X Files started in ninety three. Actually, in fact, they probably hired him based on this performance. Mm-hmm. I would guess this is exactly the, what they got from him in that. By the way, we should point out that Brad Dorf do, does an amazing performance. Like anytime he started just talking and monologuing, we all fell silent and we were just wrapped by his performances. 
Um, anyone else want to tackle the whole? I mean, this plot is this film kind of like it 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 saunters through its plot. Like the plot kind of the main like the plot kind of just happens around um, George C. Scott's Scott's you know uh, detective character of Bill. Like forget his last name. Well, it it starts with played like by some- Lee J. Cobb in the original Exorcist. It starts kind of moodily enough. I think some church doors swing open, blow open. We hear a little bit of tubular bells, yeah. Tubular bells, and then there's a statue. Jesus opens his eyes and and looks pissed about what's Mm -hmm. going on. He doesn't look impressed. Christ is back, and this time it's personal. (laughs) It's it's very comical looking. Jesus, too. Jesus, the forgiveness. (laughs) It's kind of hilarious. Like, like he's been woken up and he's a little annoyed about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that like in the 27 years since this movie came out, we came out, we were a bit more postmodern and ironic than we were back then. So I think at that time, seeing a, like a, a statue of Jesus' eyes open would have been like, holy crap, that's something you don't see every day. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Thanks, <Lou>. <laughs> <laughs> I concur as well. And you also see a flashback of... Um, Father Karras tumbling down. Yeah, falling out, falling out the window after taking the flights of steps. Yeah, mm, after he transferred the the demon out of uh, Little Reagan McNeil and into his body, he threw himself out the window to kill the the vessel containing the demon, so that the demon would be uh, trapped and not able to jump to another person. I, I gotta ask, what was the basic plot of Exorcist Two? Did it have like this? Seems Shh. like a return. I have never seen Exorcist Two. No, we neither. Oh, we need to watch that. I think. Coming next Halloween, <laughs> it's Exorcist 2, The Heretic, starring James Earl Jones as Kokomo. Um, no, no, it's, uh, I don't know, it's it's got something to do with, because um, they actually have flashbacks to the scene, to, to uh, the scenes in Africa, which is where the, uh, the Exorcist played by Max von Sydow, uh, actually successfully performed an exorcist uh that was referenced in the first film but not seen um and somehow that impacts the uh linda blair's character Reagan mcneil from the original one but i guess what we're asking is like does it continue with no with it just them? continues from the first movie yeah the third one basically the, the this third film operates as if the second one has never existed mm-hmm. because the second one was basically made entirely without um the involvement of, of william freakin or Sorry, we said a little technical snafu. So, Phil, where were we? Oh yeah, I was. Uh, I was saying how uh, the Exorcist Three they uh, pulled like a Nightmare on Elm Street Three, where they just mm-hmm. continued on as if Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge never existed. Yeah, just kind of acted as if um, uh, they just went from one to three, um, kind of like every Halloween sequel after Part Six. <laughs> a new one is actually allegedly going to skip Part Two, which I'm kind of like, holy crap. So wow. Jamie Lee Curtis might not be Michael Myers' sister in the new one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so anyways, back to the film that we watched. Kit, you have a bunch of notes. I did. I took more notes this time. Okay, and before we get to that, Lillian, do you have any stray observations you want to throw to us? Uh, no. Go ahead, Kit. I can't oh, that. like, my notes okay. aren't that good. Like, I wrote, Statue Jesus opens his eyes, mm-hmm. looks pissed. Yeah. Uh, George C. motherfucking barrel-chested Scott. <laughs> too old for this movie. He, yeah, he, he's about a good uh, 15 to 20 years uh, too old to be playing the detective in this. Technically, he should have retired about 10 years earlier. Yeah. Or, yeah. Around like the that. time of the mm-hmm. changeling. Yeah. yeah. Where he was already old. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, there's some I mean, film, character, some not film not illusions, early film illusions. It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. well, uh, which remember, later comes into play. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the, the character in the original Exorcist was a film buff that would go regularly, and like he invited both. Uh, so Jason Miller's character, who plays Father Damien Caracas, he um, went quite a bit, and then the character played by Ed Flanders, Father Dyer. Uh, the last scene of the original Exorcist is him and uh, and uh, the character played by Lee J. Cobb in the original, this time played by George C. Scott, uh, going to the movie and talking about, like, yeah, I like to go see films to discuss. Do you like movies? And Father Dyer's like, yeah, I like movies. So they both walk off and go to a movie together. And what's the movie this one's seen 38 times? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. And then another priest is asked what's his favorite movie, and he's like, The Fly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not clear whether it's the Cronenberg fly or the original. I'm guessing Cronenberg. You're guessing Cronenberg? All right. Yeah, it's around that time. And then, oddly enough, when uh, Father Dwyer... Dyer? Dwyer? Dyer? Dyer. D-Y-E-R. Uh, he's, in, he's in the hospital for some um, thing. And he's I love just it. getting Ge- some tests. He's getting some tests, and George C. Scott barges in. He's like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> in his normal caring, yelling way. <laughs> Brings him a stuffed penguin, oddly enough. A stuffed penguin, which is very similar to a stuffed penguin is that, that I was given in university. Just finds or just claims he finds? He claims he found it, but he went to a gift shop and bought it because even though, like, beneath his tough exterior, he loves his friends. It was, he says many times. And he is raising a daughter, and he has, you know, even though he doesn't like his mother in law because she's keeping a fish alive swimming around in his bathtub so he can't bathe, he likes her too. Um, yeah, and that's and it, the same father from the, the first one. Uh, I remember it was a young one. Maybe not. He was young-ish in the first one. I don't know if it was the same actor. We can Ned look that Flanders? Up. Oh, Ed Flanders, not Ned Flanders. Ed. The character, I mean. Oh yeah, the character's the same one. He was the he was the friend of of uh, Father Damien in the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, then this nurse kind of comes in with, with food. She's got the wrong room. Later, mm-hmm. this this poor nurse will be murdered, but um, we don't know that yet. Yeah. And he, uh, the father makes a Spaceballs reference. I know. Peace be with you, my child. May the Schwartz be with you. May the Schwartz be with you. And we all were just like, did he really do that? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he said, may the Schwartz be with you. William Peter Blatty had a good sense of humor. Like, if you ever see the Ninth Configuration, it's very funny, very dramatic, but super funny. And, like, this film kind of leans it like when you're casting George C. Scott you, you know you're not getting a subtle performance but also bolsters the uh, character's credit as a film buff right like he's into Mel Brooks mm-hmm. and all of this different kind of stuff exactly so. yeah so um, <laughs> was I supposed to go on with my list there's not much more <laughs> yeah right? what, what else do you have on your list Kit uh, it's just I've got bullet points uh, freaky dream sequence featuring Fabio which I've got like all caps mm-hmm. Uh, lots of one to ten anger issues throughout the film, not just from George C. Scott. Like oh, the uh, nurse. That, that, no, but there was that uh, oh, the, the hospital the director hospital, there. Yeah, the hospital director on the phone being like, "Listen, I understand you have to do an investigation, but you can't be walking around everywhere taking your phone and figuring out. Do you understand this is a hospital? We take we 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 take care of people here. We don't want them to be feel intimidated by when you're going through everything." And, and we had, uh, that was Graham's a, toning it down. He, the the actor yeah. was like screaming. Yeah, he was at eleven. I'm at like a seven. Uh, then when we find out about the, um, there's this, what, what was it called? The Gemini Killer? The Gemini Killer, yeah. Kind of a, kind of a loose Zodiac, yeah. uh, amalgamation. Zodiac, shades of the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, it's just going off the astrological theme there. Uh. Mm-hmm. They even mentioned, like, he uses the Zodiac symbol 
of the Gemini. And he was he was taunting, he was writing letters to newspapers taunting the police. Exactly. He would cert- spell things in, uh, incorrectly on purpose, like two like, well, So when he kills Father, that happens, okay, yeah. so we skip so, that. Father yeah, he, Dyer, he, Dyer gets, killed. gets killed. In the hospital after they find all of his blood drained from his body. And and no his blood head. was spilled at the crime scene, and his head is even missing. though his head was mis- yeah, missing. And off. they're like, the only bloody spilled was written on the walls, and they're like, what did you mm-hmm. write on the walls? And it's it's a wonderful life, and, and wonderful is spelled, spelled, spelled with two L's. Yes, it was. Um, I do have to say, like this this film kind of is that part of late eighties, early nineties, before CGI really takes over. So all these dream sequences are all done with with physical, actual onset props. So, like, the dream sequence is kind of weird because it's set in this long, long, like, we don't know if it's a cathedral or a hallway or a... It looks kind of like Union Station at first, and then it turns out it's just, like, full of beds, and we see people from uh, earlier scenes in the film that were just kind of in the background. We see Fabio, as we've mentioned before. We see a young Samuel L. Jackson. Um, it's and, a good shot of Fabio, too. It's yeah, like it's a good on like, this is, is Fabio. He's looking right in the camera, mm-hmm. his, his long hair kind of blowing. There might be even a fan. There, the oh, there is a fan. It was like a heaven slash hell type feel, right? Like the they gateway like, to heaven. It seemed like the train station yeah, to heaven. Yeah, but people were sick and... and just... Purgatory, I think. Yes. yes. Yeah, and then there's a, a scene at the end during the, uh, the exorcism slash shootout. By the way, the priest that, that uh, does the exorcism in this movie has the greatest hero shot of all time. Just a complete snap zoom into his eyes all the way down the hallway when he shows up and he breaks the spell of the, the possessed uh, body of Father Damien. So, um, and in that scene, there are, there's like a, a couple of scenes, like uh, some very surrealistic imagery of like snakes rising out of flames. They have real snakes, real flames, and it's all just like we put the flame here, we put the real snakes here, we show snakes like slithering around, and it's all through good old fashioned in camera tricks. Um, am I getting this through to you, Phil, as you're falling asleep? Yes. Is your epic beard weighing down your head? Is that why it's That's causing exactly you to fall asleep? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Phil is rocking an epic beard right now. Thank you. Not really epic, but just epic for his face. A- as is Graham. I always have a beard, though. Uh, Lillian and I are beardless. <laughs> I would but hope you did, so. You did have a beard for the longest time, Kid, so I, I have to compensate. Yeah, you. Kid's looking pretty slick these days, I gotta say. I did, and now I feel like I gotta regrow the beard, but I didn't like my beard. I didn't think I uh, bearded well. It was a little patchy, I gotta say. It was. I need to. I need a beard trimmer. Or I'm debating about, about shaving my face, but I'm, I'm afraid to see what my chin looks like now. Yeah, yeah, I'm afraid to see what my chin looks like. Yeah. I don't want to shave off my beard, but I want to kind of want to, I want to go smooth again. But it's the winter's coming up. It's good. Although the worst thing about winter is like when you come out of the shower and you forget to like totally towel off your beard. Yeah. And then you're outside for like a little while, and then all of a sudden you realize I have an icicle in my beard. That's happened to me quite a bit. Oh no. Yeah. I even once like walked out with like a wet head thing, like it'll be fine. And then like half an hour later, when I'm like waiting at the bus stop, and I just like go up to like scratch my head, and all of a sudden it's like. Oh, my hair is frozen. Um, Exorcist 3 um, contains none of those things, or and very few beards. Uh, it does feature a young, younger uh, performance by um, Herschel from The Walking Dead, who's an uh, actor I can't remember. He plays yeah. a doctor. Um, no, that was my next uh, bullet mm-hmm. point, actually. Crazy chain-smoking doctor fellow. Like, in every scene, he's just holding a cigarette right by his face, almost as if he's Groucho Marx. He's, he's, about he's, the, yeah, like, yeah, he's like holding his elbow... 
And holding a cigarette. Of the arm that's holding his, his cigarette. He's and, and, exhausted. And we see him later, he's like lighting the next cigarette with... The current cigarette. The current cigarette that he has, and he's going that's nuts. That's how he rolls, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we get to see his interior decoration, and there's like pornography, and like... But it's pornography um, that's been like mixed in with like medical photos, too. Medical photos, but also uh, there's that um, a tarot card, uh, an enlarged tarot card. Yes. Right next to a dashing picture of him, and yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's Herschel from The Walking Dead. I know, as a man with a full head of hair and no gray, who is also in uh, the ninth configuration. We I really forgot should, about that. We yeah. should really do a little bit more research before we do this podcast. Who was that actor? Herschel from The Walking Dead. Um, do you have any more um, notes, Kit, or is that it for your uh, for your note taking? Wasn't he? Uh, wasn't he kind of under the command of? Um, he was. Yeah, he was under Brad Dourif's command a little bit, yeah. as we find out later. Um, and then he dies. Mm-hmm. But uh, just a few more notes, although we should go back and kind of revisit the plot. Uh, Joker statue appearance. It was kind of oh, weird. Yeah, that, yeah, was that cool. one scene. Um, a, a creepy old woman crawling on the ceiling. Yeah. Mm hmm. Straight out of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, it was, that was kind of a very. That was probably the most unsettling image. I think they did that well. That was it wasn't cool. too over the top. Some of this movie is a bit over the top. Yeah, it, didn't, it, didn't go, it didn't go overboard with it. Especially the yelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, so uh, Scott Wilson was the, that actor's name. Who um, Scott Wilson? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who played Doctor Temple? And then uh, Father Morning, Exorcist Man, this, Exorcist uh, Avenger. Like, I um, love this guy. He like just he's not involved with anybody else. He only else in the plot. starts to speak when he's delivering doing an exorcist. And then he he, he like blows open the doors and you can hear like the the demon there possessing uh, possessing Brad Dourif slash possessing uh, Father. Uh, Played by Nickel Williamson, yes. who passed away in December 2011. Oh. But he's like, you again, not you. And then they fight, and then, um, well, I think the devil wins. But I think the devil loses, because with his last dying breath, uh, Father Morning um, says, the power of Christ compels you. And we even see a little spotlight go from his bloodied hand to his... Um, his crucifix, and you almost might say that's the hand of God guiding him to to defeat the evil Brad Dorif. Brad Dorif's not evil; the character is the Gemini Killer. Although it, it makes me wonder, I, I asked this question before, but I wonder what Brad Dorif's like just on a regular Sunday. Just he's pretty regular, from what I understand. Like yeah. everyone says, he's just like one of those normal guys that I, like that just plays weird characters. Even you know? in Deadwood, like his character, the drunken doctor, he was always Doc just Holiday, yeah. just manic, just like just always on edge just like that's why he always gets cast as the Brad Dorif type <laughs> mm-hmm. although he was very subdued and he was maybe like the only like um, real uh, notable maybe one of the only notable parts of uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween remakes yeah he was actually he's the, he's the best part of those remakes he was really good yeah, yeah playing, playing so Sheriff Brackett yeah the yeah. father of uh, Annie Brackett uh, who was played by uh, Daniel Harris who was in Halloween 4 and 5 as well as a uh, young uh, not Jamie yeah Jamie Lloyd was the character she played see I wonder why my brain is so good at remembering facts from movies that aren't that good but me trying to figure out who's the guy that played the doctor and then was in The Walking Dead as the Herschel. Um, <laughs> as the Herschel? Yeah. That's that's how I think I sound when I when I listen to my inner thoughts. As a yokel from uh, from Miss Gokel. Um, 
But uh, so I mean, we could do a, a plot rundown. What do we What do we think the plot of this one was? Because it kind of like it kind of meanders. It kind of saunters. Yeah, it's really convoluted. There's yeah. so much. There's a lot of stuff going most on. Of the dialogue's just exposition. And and this film, it, it's a here's the, it's the kind of film that we don't see much anymore. It's a film for grown ups. And this comes out. This is around the same time as Silence of the Lambs. Maybe like a year or two after it. And I think that this was like the last time that horror was seen as like, oh, it's an adult thing to look at. Because if you look at when the original Exorcist came out from there up until about The Shining, um, there there was like an, an adultness, a grown-upness to horror as it, like with films like Don't Look Now or The Shining or um, uh, what else could you even say would be, be kind of a grown-up horror film? You, you would get... Or even like American Werewolf in London, it's John Landis, like it's a grown-up adult film. Uh, but then you get like the slasher wave of the 80s, which, and then the, of course, the gross out gore movies with like Return of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead and Reanimator um, and Night of the Demons. And, 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 yeah, but I mean, like Cronenberg's stuff is like, even like his early B horror yeah. stuff is like 10 beers towards the cerebral. Exactly, but it was playing to a, a much more rambunctious audience. Like, if you go yeah. back and look at any of the original ads, it's always selling, like, the blood, the guts, the gore, yeah. the boobs, all that stuff. Um, he even, like, he, it wasn't really until the, um, until the 90s, almost, with, um, will it be Dead Bringers now? Nah. Yeah. Almost, almost, like, I, I mean, like, the brood is mm-hmm. mostly cerebral, I'd say. Yeah, but again, it, it was sold as, like, yeah. this woman's got yeah. killer kids coming out of her vagina and killing mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Um, whereas like his later career got very, very grown up. Um, and so then Silence of the Lambs happened and all of a sudden we had, you know, films like, again, Copycat that we'd mentioned earlier, like more films that were trying to take the horror or thriller elements and like elevating them much like the original Exorcist or The Shining or Don't Look Now or Invasion of the Body Snatchers by Philip Kaufman, um, did back in the seventies to early eighties. Um, and I think this film kind of falls into it, but it's also the George C. Scottness of it just elevates it almost to camp. Like Oh for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um so guys, um I guess the plot starts. How do we even address the plot in this? Well uh, George C. Scott's uh, he's friends with uh Father, Father Dyer Father Dyer. Played by Ed but Flanders. He, uh, he explains he's investigating this murder. Mm-hmm. Um this uh, young um young boy the police clubs boy he, he knew him from the, so so like there was a police boys club so yeah. that uh, George C. Scott knew and he turns up dead um, crucified on some rowing oars his head is missing it's been replaced by the severed head of Jesus Christ and uh, everything else about it so like the finger is cut off and the same with the Zodiac Killer the Zodiac Killer the Gemini Killer did it and he has the mark of the Gemini on his hand sorry guys am I talking too much no, no, no. I was just reviewing some trivia there, seeing if there's anything mm-hmm. interesting to add. And so this kicks off his whole thought of, like, maybe the Gemini Killer's back. And then the next victim is... Father Dyer. Ed, is Father Dyer. No, no, actually, no. Father no. Dyer before the Gemini Killer. And the Gemini Killer has been captured and killed, no? Executed. Yeah, it was executed yeah. in the electric chair yeah. 15 years earlier, during the time that the original Exorcist was happening. Snap. Yes. And we realize, as is explained by the uh, Gemini Killer later on through the words of Brad Dorif, that as Father Damien was dying and his soul was slipping out, he slipped in. But unfortunately, his brain was too, like, jumbled up, so it took him 15 years to, like, repair his brain cells so he could become active again. Roll down the stairs really messed up his brains. 
And he was dead for a little bit. Yeah, without the oxygen, that would have definitely killed off enough brain cells to to make you not really functional as a psycho killer. Right. And for 15 years, he tried. Bring him back. It was a long time, as he said. Um, So, kid, is there any interest? So, essentially, the uh, the trail of the Gemini killer leads them to this hospital because when Ed uh, Flanders, who plays Father Dyer, gets gets, uh, brought in for some tests, he winds up being murdered. And that brings the investigation to the hospital where the second half of the film kind of centers and where we find out that Brad Dorff's character, who is uh, also Jason Miller's character, is in the basement of that very hospital in an isolation pod because he has grown violent since arousing a few months ago. Mm -hmm. Which is just when... The, the moitas start happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And they, they kill people with that. Did you mention that? The um, the kind of... Oh, the surgical shears? Yeah, the surgical are? shears, oh, yeah. Yes. Looks like a medieval, like, amputation device. So there's some good jump scares. We see another nurse get, get killed. And they're, like, basically the whole movie is George C. Scott using his detective skills to figure out this otherworldly plot to reintegrate the Gemini killer back into the world. Um, there's a lot of great scenes between George C. Scott and the Gemini Killer. And Some great scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so after uh, Father... And the usual, like, is this normal or is this paranormal type? You know? Right, exactly. Yep. He, although he's pretty much... It seems like his character is willing to believe anything right off the bat. And that's probably because he's seen the aftermath of an actual exorcism. Yes. Uh, in the first exorcist film. Although we, we get the impression that his faith is also shaken. I'd say it's shattered. 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 It's not that he doesn't believe in God, he just doesn't think God's a good thing. Yeah. Sort of. God might be an antagonist towards him. And this film doesn't exactly Just like Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Let's not bring up that guy's name. <laughs> this podcast is O'Reilly free. He's apparently he's angry at God. Really? Yeah, for all these uh, sexual harassment allegations. He's pissed at God now. I think he should be pissed at himself. (laughs) (laughs) Holy crap, look what I did. I'm an asshole. (laughs) You'd think. You'd think. You'd think that's where he would go, but no. It's it's God's fault. He's claiming God. Yep. That's awesome. (laughs) I hope God responds. Yes. Did it to yourself, jerk. Yeah, um, God's going to do like a public uh, press conference. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a, a shining light down through the clouds, like yeah. hitting a, a microphone. Yeah. I didn't know God sounded like he was from Milwaukee. Yeah, God just, God's just calling out Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't got nothing to do with me. No, there's anything else at that Fox News. Um, that was an interesting diversion. So, guys. Kit, do you have trivia? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's some trivia. Did we get to the end of the movie there with your plot description? No, we didn't. There was an exciting thing where... So, during this investigation, because it is a priest that dies, and, um, when they go down and actually see... When when George C. Scott goes... George C. Scott. George George C. Scott. Sorry, guys, we're recording this quite late at night. Um, it is beyond the witching hour. Um, when George C. Scott goes down to, um... To, uh, to to see who this guy is down in the isolation pod, he reacts in terror as he's like, that's my friend, Father Damien. And it is, kind of. Um, so then he goes and talks to a priest, and the priest says like, oh, it's weird that all this is happening. 
we actually have like an, an, a real live exorcist staying here right now who uh, was sh uh, shattered during uh, an exorcism that happened in India, was it? India? Somewhere? Yeah, yeah. yeah it was India. Yeah, like, because um, uh, George C. Scott keeps alluding to Mother India. Yeah, and uh, it was so terrifying that his hair went, that was the Father Morning, that his f hair went white overnight. And then we cut to random shots of Father Morning realizing something's afoot and that the devil might be up to his old tricks when a crucifix falls off the wall and then his eyes bleed blood. Sorry, the crucifix, not Father Morning. <laughs> And then this living bird that he was, like, nursing back to health in a shoebox suddenly ceases to live. So then, the Gemini killer reveals that he can actually possess the bodies of the uh, absent-minded. And in this case, there is actually a psych ward where the comatose patients stay, and he possesses an old lady who kills a nurse, takes her clothes, and then goes to, um, to kill George C. Scott's family. George C. Scott races home, finds the nurse in the house. The nurse, like, starts throwing George C. Scott around, tries to cut off his daughter's head, but the daughter is saved by the grandma at the last minute. And then just as the evil nurse is about to kill George C. Scott, she falls down, and we smash cut to exorcist priest <laughs> as he is arriving to perform an exorcism on the body of Father Damien, currently possessed by the Gemini killer, played by Brad Dorif. That was a mouthful. Anyways... Um, flames, hellfire, snakes, uh, skin peeling ensues, and there is an exorcism performed, and for one brief moment, Father Damien returns, and in that moment, he tells Bill to shoot him, and he shoots him, and frees the body from the possession, and Phil is falling asleep with my very expensive <laughs> microphone in his hand. I just see it like your hand constantly shaking as your eyes are closing. Oh my, just, I'm, I'm, just I'm like, clenching onto this mic with dear life. Okay, good. So, Kit, any truth? Yeah? Uh, yeah, well, some of it's like, no shit, like, uh, the Gemini Killer character was inspired by the real-life serial killer, the Zodiac. Well, how about that? Mm -hmm. Um, here's, here's a fun one. In addition to the demand of an exorcism scene to be included at the ending, the producers also wanted an actor from the first movie to be part of The Exorcist 3. Jason Miller, who played Father Karras in the first movie and was una unavailable to shoot The Exorcist 3 when principal photography started, was called to shoot a few scenes as Patient X, which is Brad Dourif's character. Mm -hmm. It's also the name of my uh, rap group. In order not to remove the work that had already been done by Brad Dourif in the role, writer-director William Peter Blatty decided to use footage of both actors, etc., etc. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. um, asked how he is able to get in and out of jail without being seen, the Gemini killer Brad Dourif replies, It's child's play. The camera, <laughs> the camera cuts to a young red-headed boy who looks a lot like the Chucky doll. And Brad Dourif was the voice of Chucky in Child's Play. 1988. Um, William Peter Blatty wanted the film to be titled simply Legion, just like his novel of the same name. The producers, however, wanted the title to be uh, Exorcist 3 for commercial reasons, obviously. Blatty even tried to distance... Dis to convince them uh, to alter it to The Exorcist 1990 in order to distance it from Exorcist, Exorcist 2, the, the Heretic, Heretic, which he despised, but he had to settle for The Exorcist 3, notwithstanding. Um, it was originally going to be directed by William Friedkin, but he lost interest. <laughs> I guess he had to shoot that movie about the killer tree lady, The Guardian. Yeah, exactly. That was much came more interesting. at the same time. It was nowhere near as good. Uh, George C. Scott had not seen the original Exorcist, but he was impressed. Obviously, he was impressed by the uh, the script that he read, so he, d he decided to be in it. 
Um, the murderous robed figure with hedge clippers attacking the nurse. I don't know if you mentioned that. Yeah, that was one of the uh, the murders that happened. And the hedge clippers were actually the surgical shears. Yeah. It's frequently cited as one of the scariest scenes ever. Sc- cited by what? I'm not sure. It was quite terrifying, that whole sequence, because we have the jump scare, and then we have the real scare. And it's, it's like, no, you don't want that nurse to die because she's very nice. Yeah, exactly. She's the same mm-hmm. nurse that uh, had come in, and we got the Schwartz line. Yep. Um, May the Schwartz be with you. The university president. The university president. This is an interesting one. Uh, university president claims that his favorite movie is The Fly from 1986. Mm-hmm. Lee Richardson, the actor who plays him, starred in The Fly 2. No way. How about that? Um, and then there was a good one down here that I saw. Uh, this is oh, oh, this is the favorite film of serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. Fun uh, fact. Oh. <laughs> and on that note, folks, this has been Death by Video. Um... Oh, no, there was a good one. Hold on. Uh, Phil can talk. I'll find it. Yeah, no, this is like a good crossover with uh, our true crime theme. Uh, no, no, it's not. not <laughs> no, I mean, like, you know, like, this would have been like a good segue from like Z- the Zodiac Killer to no, three. Yeah. Phil, you're very tired because that whole exchange just came with like, you kind of just slurred your speech. Nice. Up all it's all good. It's just, it was like one big yawn, like, except with words. It was one. It was like a, a sentence. That's a good way to yeah. describe it. Kat. It was a sentence made up of one word that encompassed all the words you wanted to say. Um. Yeah. Oh. Um, what else you got, Kit? So here, here's a thing from uh, Brad Dourif working on the film. Brad Dourif recalls. Um, Working on the film, I guess the reshoots is what he's talking about. We all felt really bad about it, but Blatty tried to do his best under very difficult circumstances. I think he did quite well. I think the whole idea of him, like, because the it's in the editing that he goes from being one character to the next, and it's very smooth. Like, it's not jarring. So, like, when, you know, because it starts off being Jason Miller, and then all of a sudden it's like, but the Gemini killer is dead, all of a sudden... It cuts to Brad Dorf leaning into the light. I am the Zodiac Killer. And you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's not Jason Miller. It's Brad Dorf. And stuff's going weird. We might need an exorcist in here. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brad Dorf says, uh, and I remember George C. Scott saying that uh, the folks, or I'll do I'll do a George C. Scott impression. The folks. I'll try. The folks would only be satisfied if Madonna came out and sang a song at the end. <laughs> Dorifa feels that the original version was a hell of a lot pure, and I liked it much more. As it stands now, it's a mediocre film. There are parts that have no right to be there. And I, I should have done a Brad Dourif impression for that, actually. There are parts that, there are parts no that right have no to right there. to be there. It's an inferior version of a mediocre <laughs> film. The original one was much more pure and great. I object. Um... <laughs> All right, so is there any more interesting trivia, Kate, or should we move on to final thoughts? Uh, there, there's so much trivia for this film on IMDb, but um, some of it is really uh, Larry King plays himself. Yeah, he's in it. Fabio for... is an angel in the dream sequence. Fabio. Oh, Patrick Ewing is in here, too. He's uh, an angel next to Father Dyer in the dream sequence. Patrick Ewing, famous basketball player. Oh, there you go. How about that? Sports. Oh, and Samuel L. Jackson's voice is dubbed for that one line. That probably That's explains probably what why we can't. Because yeah. he, he probably would have been a lot more recognizable <laughs> if we had heard, heard his voice. Well, what's the line again? Can you do it as a Samuel L. Jackson type thing? Or you can't do a Samuel Thank God. Here. No, I can't do it. That would just be bad. Of course they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. <laughs> we got to get some exercising going on in here. <laughs> Exorcising that excerpt. I don't remember his character talking. 
he just he says one one says one word or one one line and it was dubbed so that's why we obviously didn't pick it when i did i did see him and i thought is that samuel no no and then you look at the crowd like oh snap it is wouldn't it be amazing if like the entire cast of pulp fiction were secretly hidden in this movie yes yeah because this Interesting this sec. <laughs> you're, you're falling apart there, Phil. I know like, Phil can barely yeah. speak. Um, so back to Exorcist 3. <laughs> Been ten long years since the devil laid his fiddle at Johnny's feet, and it burned inside his mind the way he suffered that defeat. In the darkest pits of hell, the devil hatched an evil plan to tempt the fiddle player, for he's just a mortal man. The sin of pride, the devil cried, is what will do you in. I thought we had this settled. I'm the best it's ever been. Johnny, did you ever know the time keeps marching on? The coldest Our final thoughts on Exorcist 3, and because uh, we haven't really let her talk much this episode, Lillian, what are your final thoughts on Exorcist 3? I was wowed. Um, I had, I want to see the first one. It's been a long time. And as I said, as I said, uh, yeah, I remember it being really good. As I said, I read the book recently. So it was neat to want to know that this movie was directed by the writer as well. So. Also, um, while I was scanning the trivia, Lily, you might be interested to know a few details from the book made it into the third film, but they aren't in the original. Some little things. Yeah? What did you come across? Like the, uh, the, the little, um, what was it, the thing on the Father Morning's wall where it says, um, uh, what you give to the poor is what you take with you when you die or something like that? Oh, okay. That's in the, that's actually in the book. It's in the wallet of one of the priests from the book. Oh. I'm guessing it's Father Damien. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd be curious to see like a breakdown of how it compares to the the original novel Legion, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of why I was interested in watching the movie Exorcist again to see what made from the book to the movie and how. Yeah, for sure. Are, are you going to read Legion, Bill? Do you think? Sure, and I would like to watch this again um, to kind of pay even more attention, I guess. There's a lot of layers. It's good. It went a lot of places. <laughs> Phil, what Hi. are your final thoughts on well, Exorcist Three? My final thoughts um, from what you've seen of it while you were from, awake. From what I've seen while I was awake, I was awake for a good chunk of it. Um, I do have to say my best. I think the best moment of the movie for you was when I appeared in front of you holding a cup of coffee when you woke up. <laughs> that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that. I yep. that is most appreciated. Um, I, you know what? My feelings are kind of mixed on this. Um, the, the ex... It's not... William Peter Bly's not a very good director. Really? Even uh, with Ninth Configuration? I, li- I like the Ninth Configuration, but, like, the direction in Exodus 3 was just kind of... There's something lacking to it. It's, it is it, it's, I think it's, it's, I think it seems it's, kind of at odds with, like, the quality of, like, the ideas. Uh, I know, I know. And I know what you're saying, because I, I feel that... Well, A, this film should have been shot in anamorphic cinemascope. Like it's totally. it's, it's mm-hmm. in standard 16 by 9 uh, uh, widescreen, uh, I guess whatever we call it now. But uh, but it should have been 
in CinemaScope, and it's not. And I think that would have helped it out. Also, the locations don't lead to interesting shots, like no, the plain white walls of all, the hospital. No, it, it's such a visually drab-looking movie. And that's the, like when it gets out, like when it's out in the because the opening shots like out around the city of Georgetown or the Georgetown area of Washington D.C. Those are very dynamic and interesting. But the second it goes indoors, and the second half of this movie is essentially all interiors. Um, it's, Way too many interiors. Yeah. So, so I mean, I think the problem was that they were dealing with a compressed schedule, a lower budget than they were expecting, and um, and the other thing too is actually this came out before Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs was ninety one. Um, so this was still when horror was kind of like the ghetto, um, and so I keep saying so too much. So I, I mean, I, I am here to defend this movie because I think it's, I think it's good and enjoyable. I just, I do see the limitations that you're speaking of. It's not shot really well, but I think that's got more just to do with the actual like real realities of getting it filmed, and that um, for what they were attempting to do, they probably couldn't afford the lighting that goes along with anamorphic lights, especially on film stock back in the day. Um, that's just my two cents from my my, my vast swath of production experience. He didn't direct the first one, did he? No, that was William Freakin. Hmm. Hey, I was wondering about how it was going to go. Like, you know, being a writer is one thing, and then being a director is another, right? Yeah, he only directed two films. He directed this in the ninth configuration, and I think that out of these two films, see, out of the stuff with, uh, I was going to say, out of these two films, I think that the ninth configuration is better, but I just love the Brad Dorf monologues in this film. Like, the Brad mm-hmm. Dorf monologues are so good. Like, they bring tears to your eyes. There I was so awfully dead in that electric chair i didn't like it would you it's upsetting there was still so much killing to do and there i was in the void without a body but then along came well you know my friend one of them those others there, the cruel ones, the master. And he thought that my work should continue, but in this body, in this body in particular, in fact, ooh, let's call it revenge. A certain matter of an exorcism, I think, in which your friend Father Karras expels certain parties from the body of a child. Certain parties were not pleased, to say the least. To say the very least. And so my friend, the master, devised this pretty little scheme as a way of getting back of creating a stumbling block, a scandal, a horror to the eyes of all men who seek faith using the body of this saintly priest as an instrument of, well, you know my work. But the main thing is the torment of your friend Father Karras, as he watches while I rip and cut and mutilate the innocent, his friends, and again, and again, and on and on. He is inside with us, 
He will never get away! His pain won't end! Oh, gracious me. Was I raving? Please forgive me. I'm mad. I also feel like the horror stuff is kind of an afterthought as well. Oh, it's totally an afterthought. Like, it's really a drama about, you know, of, of the police officer, like, coming to grips with his shattered faith and the loss of his friends. All of his friends keep dying by, like... It must be lousy to have like that be your problem. Like all my friends are killed by demons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm guessing that's also studio interference because just to oh, keep yeah. well, there in was, line with the yeah. Exorcist franchise. Exactly. I mean, there was no in the in the original cut. There's no exorcism. Like that's the no. thing. There's not an exorcism. Um, Kit, you had something to say? Oh, um, it was more of a of the moment thing. I think it's kind of it? died on the vine. No, yeah. I'm not gonna. No, forget it. You lost it. I was trying. I was like, I'm going to finish my thought and let Kit talk. And then. No, it really had to be in the moment. Otherwise, it's. It's, it's no, gone. It's, no. It's just not worth saying. Was it, it a funny be, observation? It was hilarious. And now no one will get to hear it. So we're all going to think we had a good laugh. Yeah. Kit, what are your final thoughts on Exorcist 3? I, I liked it more than I thought I was going to. Yeah, right? Um, I, I agree with Phil about the. Uh, I don't know, the drabness of the. Um, the, the setting. The settings yeah, and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and certain aspects of the direction I thought were yeah. a bit over the top. And also how I think he's probably partly to blame for the 1 to 10 kind of. Uh, George emoting. C. Scott. Well, not just George C. Scott, but no, other no, people George, as well. They're, they're like, there's, that, there's that bitch of a nurse who starts yelling and then she's oh, quiet. Yeah, yeah. There's that uh, the, the hospital director who's quiet and then yelling. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why? He had like, he had like, let's do this two I ways. I think he was letting George C. Scott just be like, here's how you act. You start quiet, go end loud. Probably. I yeah. don't know why I almost went David Lynch with that one. Here's you how you act. Oh, guys, let's suspend a little bit of, uh, let's feel his, let's feel him. I'm, He's I'm going totally, through, I'm, as you said, all his uh, all his friends are being possessed by demons. <laughs> I'd probably be screaming too. That's, he, that's the title of his autobiography. All my friends get possessed by demons. Well, he has this lovely little monologue. I don't know about the uh, the fish. Uh, his wife's got to cook some fish. And oh, he yeah, wants no, to, no, his his, his mother in law is his mother in law. She's going to cook some fish. Cooking some carp, which carp. he's okay with. <laughs> but I'm going David Lynch. David again. Lynch again. Um, <laughs> which he's okay with. I, I which, can't which do George which, C. Scott. Which I'm okay with. But you see, my wife thinks the, or my, my mother-in-law thinks the fish is impure, so she had to buy it alive. And it's been swimming around my bathtub for the last two days. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And I see its little gills going, and I hit it! Hey, if he, if if he I sees it, home, he's going to kill it. Yeah. I go home. and it's still I get home because it's awake. Kill it. I can only go home when it's asleep. <laughs> I love the way we watch the blooper reel right after. Like, the fact that this movie has a the DVD oh, for this it's hat. so great that it's like just guys yucking it up. <laughs> yeah, like and Fred Flanders just like keeps like chuckling throughout the monologue, and the then George C. Monologue. Scott just breaks character. Yeah. I, I loved uh, uh, Brad Brad Dourif's blooper. Can you do the Brad Dourif impression there for that one? What did, what did he say? Um, he was like, I don't even think I do. I, the I Brad don't remember Dourif. how he. Oh no! Like he, he keeps saying, like, "And I forgot my line." Yeah, <laughs> but in character, he's like, "And I forgot my line." <laughs> you do not understand. Yeah, you don't understand the powers of which I possess in this situation, and I've forgotten my line, haven't I? And everyone else laughs around, but he's still in character. So what was it? Um, 
God, man, Brad Dorf is so good in this movie. I love it so much. I got to see this on the big screen at a theater, which we're not going to name, um, on a double bill with the ninth configuration uh, earlier this year. That's yeah, crazy. In honor of uh, William Peter Blatty. Passing, yeah. He passed away this year. So, uh, yeah, big. Uh, it is a great loss because, like, his ideas and concepts and the way that he dealt with issues, like, a lot of what. Because uh, I read William Freakin's autobiography and they talk about how. The whole point of The Exorcist was not about to create a horror tale, even though it evolved into that. And he eventually admitted it like 20 years later that, oh, yeah, it is about it is a horror movie. But dealing with questions of faith in contemporary society and how do you deal with that? And I think that that's what the first Exorcist film and this film, as all, also as the ninth configuration. It just happens to be horrifying. It just happens to be terrifying. Exactly. And if you haven't seen The Ninth Configuration, I highly recommend you do. It's not a death by video movie. There's no exorcisms. Mm-hmm. It's a drama with like comedic elements. It's almost a slamming door farce for moments. Yeah, yeah the comedic elements are really heavy, though, like and very profane and almost bizarre. But yeah, like it's it does continue with the William Peter Blatty theme of uh, struggling with faith in this world. Yeah. And both it's... Uh, religious intent and humanitarian intent as well and the possibility where they could cross over sure yeah yeah you have anything else to add kit no i just uh i like this better than i thought it was gruesome like the uh the exorcism scene even though i guess that was added oh when the priest gets his skin ripped off yeah Yeah, maybe that was a bit too much but when i was watching i was like oh shit i know it kind of goes hellraiser for a little bit it does yeah i still that's the best hero shot ever of like the 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 possessed you know nurse falls down and then slam cut to shaboom yeah. exorcist <laughs> of <Yeah>. vengeance <laughs> he's a man on a mission uh the power of christ compels me to kick your ass yeah, that's right <laughs> um so with that being said anything else before we go guys no it's getting late it's super late astros won seven to six Go Astros! Go Astros! They're in the uh, World Series this year. Game two. Now this series mm-hmm. is tied 1 1. Okay. This so, is uh, turning into a sports podcast all of a sudden. Oh, do mm-hmm. they actually s- call them the Strohs, like apostrophe Strohs? I don't think they do, but no. they should start. They should, yeah, yeah. the Strohs. Love the Strohs. I saw them play at Lee's Palace two weeks ago. <laughs> so good. Um, all the way from Houston. It's like a Strokes-esque band. It's just like all like the songs a southern, are like, baseball Like a themed. Southern, yeah. like, uh, Strokes. Yeah, the Strokes. Um, so anyways. So this has been... <laughs> Thank you, Lily. This has been Death well, Video for another week. What are we watching next week? What's happening? We are finishing our uh, Halloween Horror Month with Friday the 13th Part 4. Lily is shaking her head at me. I apologize for running on and on and on. No, I'm not. I I'm have... I'm waiting to hear what next mm-hmm. week is. So, yeah, Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter, which is, funnily enough, not the final chapter. Kel Surprise. Another mm. misleading title out of that series. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, a New Beginning was kind of a new beginning. Yeah. Jason Lewis was correct. 3D was correct. Yeah. Uh, Jason Takes Manhattan, sort of correct. There was like, Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday. Not, not correct. Not no, correct. No, no, no. no. I forgot that we did that film on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> the, the largely Jason-less Jason Goes to Hell. Yeah. That's the, the one where you almost lost your faith in humanity. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't. Yeah, that movie defeated me. <laughs> and it's, it's one of our most popular episodes, too. Really? Zodiac Killer shot up to, to a bunch of listens. It had a big, oh, yeah. it had a big jump. 
Oh, sweet. I, uh, I, I put it out on, on the Twitterverse, so maybe that helped. Twitter. Tweet, tweet, Twitter sucks. Um, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm not a fan. It, it, it does. It's a hellscape of, of yeah, terrible Neo-Nazis and white supremacists and, <laughs> and Donald Trump. But just I, can't, I can't look away. I can't look away from the hellscape. That's fine. Okay, so this is uh, Death by Video. This has been Death by Video. I've been Phil. I have been Kit. And I've been Lil. And I've been Graham saying, be sure to rewind. Be sure to rewind, and we will see you next time. Rewind your lemons. Thank you so much for listening. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Like us on SoundCloud. Just subscribe on iTunes. Maybe we'll get some sponsors. Probably not. Bye-bye. Satan is real. Working in spirit. You can see him and hear him in this world. service at a little church in the country not long ago. A prayer was led by an old country preacher who then raised his hands as everyone stood and sang, My God is real. A warm breeze through the open windows brought in the smell of new mown hay in a nearby field, and the singing of birds could be heard in the moment of silence as the preacher opened his Bible to read. And then a little old man stood up bent with age, his hair thin and white, and said, Preacher, tell them that Satan is real too. You can hear him in songs that give praise to idols and sinful things of this world. You can see him in the destruction of homes torn apart. I know that Satan is real, for once I had a happy home. I was loved and respected by my family. I was looked upon as a leader in my community, and then Satan came into my life. I grew selfish and unneighborly. My friends turned against me, and finally my home was broken apart. My children took their paths into a world of sin. Yes, preacher, it's sweet to know that God is real, and to know that in Him all things are possible. And we know that heaven is a real place where joy shall never end. But sinner friend, if you're here today, Satan is real too. And hell is a real place, a place of everlasting punishment. Brothers, Satan is real. You gotta see the album cover for this. Go look it up on Yahoo. It shows Charlie and Ira standing in front of a 12-foot-high plywood lucifer that they set on fire and almost ended up setting themselves on fire. Go take a look.